from inside Memorial Stadium. This is the Huskers Radio Network podcast. All Huskers, all the time. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie. Hi, everyone, and welcome back into another episode of the Huskers Radio Network podcast. I'm Jessica Cootie, and I've got a little bit of a different episode for you today. On National Girls and Women in Sports Day, we held the first annual Huskers Brunch as a part of our year-long celebration of the 50-year anniversary of Title IX. And we had women from across Nebraska athletics, coaches, players, staff members from across the department, donors and sponsors. And we even had some former players there and some trailblazers and pioneers who helped pave the way for where we are today. As a part of the program, we conducted two roundtable discussions with coaches and with players. It was such an incredible conversation, and I wanted to bring that to our podcast listeners as well. So up first, we bring you the coaches panel with women's basketball head coach Amy Williams, softball head coach Rhonda Ravel, rifle head coach Mindy Miles, women's golf head coach Jeannie Sutherland, and associate head coach for women's tennis, Lisa Hart. All right, well, one of the questions we got a lot of was wanting to know how you got into coaching and why. Who and what inspired you to want to become a head coach? Amy, we'll let you start. Well, I wanted to become a head coach pretty much because my dad was a head coach, and my whole life I went to the gym with him. Um, But when I came to Nebraska, I was a biology and math double major and thought I was going to med school and was doing an internship at St. Elizabeth's Hospital and just did not want to go to the hospital every day for the rest of my life. And um, I had a really good mentor in Teresa Becker, who was one of my assistant coaches here at Nebraska that uh, I spent a lot of time consulting with. And um, she helped me kind of see uh, where my passions really lied and that it was okay for me to take a step back and want to impact people the same way that my coaches have been able to impact me and, and to pursue a profession that... It's a little unstable at times, but um, certainly quite rewarding. Well, I'm a little bit pre-Title IX, so my start in coaching was as a nine-year-old. My dad played fast-pitch softball. His team was a little bit, they they passed the Title IX passage before the law did because they allowed me to be called a bat girl versus a bat boy. And before every game, I submitted a lineup to the manager because I was already writing lineups as a nine-year-old. So I think that's when my coaching started. I later was able to convince my father to become a coach. So I grew up, too, in the home of a coach, and that inspired me to stay with it. Um, I actually became an assistant coach first. Um, I was invited to join the Nebraska's team as... um, with a previous head coach. Um, I was still competing and she knew I needed some support there and knew that I could make a big impact on the team here. So I joined as an assistant and when she decided to leave for bigger and better things academically, um, I knew that this program needed a strong leader to take it up to the next level, and I knew that the department had the potential to support us in the way that we needed to grow the program. So I didn't intend to get into coaching, but here we are, and we're making it work. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming today. Um, I started out as a teacher, and 
I quickly realized that when I taught golf, I had a lot more attention than when I taught English. So, um, so I, I taught school for two years and coached basketball and decided that I would prefer to be in golf 100%. And so um, I had a phenomenal college coach, Jeanette Marsh, at Northern Iowa. And she was a phenomenal person first, but she was also a great role model. And I think she inspired me to start coaching instead of just teaching golf. So, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. Um, to be honest, I kind of fell into it. I was um, an elementary education major here at Nebraska. And right when I was getting ready to graduate, our assistant was leaving. And Coach Jacobson asked if I wanted to give coaching a try. And so I jumped at that opportunity and after a couple weeks just knew I was meant to do that. So I've been doing it ever since. Um, so I owe a lot of um, uh, influence. He influenced me immensely. So that's my story. So I'll ask you guys a couple or some questions one at a time so we can get to as many as possible. Jeannie, we'll start with you. What's the biggest change or improvement you've seen in women's athletics since you've been coaching? Since I've been coaching. I started in 92. Um, our, our budget has, my first budget was 30000 and that included my salary. So <laughs> that'll probably tell you a lot. Um, so the budget that we have to work with really allows us to give our players opportunities to play great place, uh, great golf courses and to have the proper equipment and to uh, be personalized with what we do for our players where we can be individual. We don't have to give them all a, the driver that we got from for free from a company. So I would say, and I, I hate for it to be about money, but the budget is hugely important for our success. And so it's been really wonderful to see that go up every year that I've coached and now be significant. I feel like it's significant, so thank you. Lisa, have you seen a specific event or situation that has impacted the tennis program specifically from Title IX? Um, I think just recently we found out that we will get to um, fly on a charter to Ohio State and Penn State. Um, and that's probably because our administration and university is so wonderful as well. But when, back when I was playing, I could never imagine even such a thing. So um, I would say that is the most memorable right now. <laughs> Mindy, how have your experiences being a woman in sport shaped how you approach other areas of your life? Um, well, I won't hold it against y'all, but not many people know we have a rifle program. Um, so rifle is co-ed and we have a women's team. So I was also uh, competed on a women's team. So competing against men, knowing I'd do that in college, I never really considered a separate. I mean, we do internationally and for national competitions do for the Olympic side of things, but I never held myself back comparing to men. Um, women are actually a, usually a little bit better at our sport. So I knew I was comparing myself to the best of the best when we were looking at our women's teams. And um, I guess leading into life, I've never really shied against shied away from my interactions with men or been intimidated when I've walked in. I know like 
there's better people here than me. I'm used to comparing myself and I'm comfortable with that. I know where I need to go to improve myself. So I've always looked at strong leaders and gone after that, not necessarily male, female, and my sport has been very impactful in that way. Amy, we might have some parents in the room who might want some advice uh, for their young daughters who want to be great athletes. What advice would you give? And also, should they specialize? Do you appreciate, well, you have daughters that play lots of different sports and excel in different sports, so do you recommend playing multiple sports as well? Well, um, clearly I'm a huge advocate of multi-sport athletes. My oldest daughter was fortunate enough in her sophomore season to win a state championship as a starting shortstop and leadoff hitter in softball and play in a state championship game of basketball and then be a state semifinalist and the starting left wing on her high school soccer team. So uh, she's, she's played, um, had a lot of success and played them all. But I think the big thing that I love about um, multi-sport athletes is that they're usually not maxed out by the time they get to me. And um, we usually don't see quite as much burnout from the kids that were early specializing, you know, in junior high and all they've done and all they've known year round since they were 10 years old is just basketball, 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 and sometimes by the time they get to us, they're, they're starting to be a little fried from that. So that's one of the big reasons that I um, really am a proponent of multi-sport athletes, but I do feel like every situation is different for every kid, and if you want to peak a little earlier, sometimes making that choice to specialize at the right time makes sense for some students. But um, as a parent, uh, we've just been really supportive of our kids um, being able to do it all, try it all, and our youngest daughter, you know, she's in Minecraft Club. <laughs> Who even knew that was a thing, right? And so um, I am just as excited and supportive of her going to her flute choir or her Minecraft club as we are of our oldest daughter who's um, playing softball and soccer and excelling in all the sports. And I think just is anything you can um, get them involved in and be supportive of and um, let them know they're bigger than their performances is important. All right, for you, Rhonda, what is the most difficult part of being a leader? Well, first of all, I'm among so many great leaders that I'd love to pass the mic and spend all day listening to that answer. I think with leadership, you know, if you're motivated by service, which my guess is, is that so many of you are, that you understand the great blessing and responsibility that comes with leadership. And the calling that you've been, that has been bestowed upon you now, I think in order to answer that call and to answer that call to the highest honor is you have to remember what is your true north. And for everybody, it's different. For me, it's my faith. And it's important that I keep my vessel clean enough and stay close enough and stay connected enough to what drives me each and every day so I can be led, so then in hopes that I can do the honorable thing as I lead others. Love it. All right, got a couple more that I want all of you to answer, so we'll start with Amy on this end, and then we'll come back the other way for the second one. Uh, so what was the most meaningful moment, what has been the most meaningful moment of your career? 
Should I have started on the other end? Yeah, probably. Um, I can go. You want me to go? Go. I have two things. In the spirit of Title IX, um, I was able, I think we'd be remiss to not mention Dr. Barbara Hibner today, uh, a great Title IX advocate. I was able to, uh, and I know this might sound a little morbid, but it's one of my greatest memories, and then I have another one. I was able to help her with her sister's cajoling to help her pass from this life to the next life. I was at her bedside when she did that, and it was a great honor for me to do that because she had done so much for me. The second thing is, I just forgot it because I was going to tell you that one. Oh, the second thing, she's right in front of me, was officiating the wedding of former student-athletes. Uh, and then finally, it's just helping them grow, helping them grow. <laughs> well, I'm still young in my coaching career, um, but I can tell you a few points that I have been very proud of. Um, I love when my student-athletes open up to me and when I can give that opportunity to them and they take it. Um, I've had one student-athlete graduate and in her speech she mentioned um, I was getting my master's at the time and just finished up and she said oh you know my coach was a role model during that time and how much she's worked and that hard work that I've seen like that was very touching and really just seeing them excel on the range in the classroom and they're so impressive with everything they have and all the things they juggle I mean it's even more than I was when I was an athlete and it wasn't that long ago um, but they are just so impressive and they bring it every day and they're lovely ladies and their personalities and their loving hearts. I just, it's amazing. It's very fulfilling to be their coach. Well, I'm, I don't have a great memory, so mine is from last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had the opportunity to take a training trip with the team to Houston and I got to introduce my team now to uh, some of my former players, my, my Aggies, who I had coached in the 90s and uh, early 2000s. And they spoke to my team about success and uh, the process, being in the moment, enjoying yourself, uh, living it up for these four years as a golfer because they're all having to earn a living now. And um, it was just really wonderful for me to sit back and let them do the talking and the coaching and to, to sort of just be with my team now and see the connections. It doesn't matter what school it is. They're all female who are very successful, who use golf as the way to get to what they wanted. So it was really fun. I think for me, it's... Um watching freshmen come in and all the development and growth that happens in those four years, four or five years. And then when they graduate, um, they're just completely different people on the court and in, in their lives. And it's just so memorable and um, rewarding to be just a small part of it. So I just, I love watching that growth. Did you think of one? I can come up with a hundred uh, most memorable moments, but really it boils down to just um, the, the smiles. And I have pictures on my walls of the smiles on my players' faces in big moments. And every one of my most memorable moments, I can just, it's like a snapshot of watching those young women have joy doing what they love to do.
All right, so we don't have to pass it back down again. We'll just start with you again. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of questions, too, on how can we continue to grow and improve and, and push for equality in women's sports? What are some areas that we can continue to, to do that? Uh, I think the, the best way is to continue to make young women feel valued. And that can happen in a lot of different ways, investing time, you know, it's incredibly um, empowering and makes our young women feel valued when we show up and there's 8,000 people there to support our team, just showing up for them. Um, continues to be a way and and you know value comes in a lot of different ways when you are feeling valued and free to dream big most amazing things happen I was so happy that Carmen brought up Billy Winsett and Angela Mercario because every recruit we ever bring to Nebraska we walk them through and just brag brag about those people the, the young women it's not everybody knows kind of that Nebraska leads the nation in academic all-americans but all the top 10 award winners and how about two NCAA women female athletes of the year that's incredible it's incredible there's two like I think it's incredible if one of my athletes is the best um, student athlete on my team because my team is full of amazing, bright, talented. And then, not to mention the, the most celebrated student athlete at Nebraska because of all of the other incredibly talented young women that we have here at Nebraska. But 250,000 NCAA women's athletes in the country and you're the best? Like, it blows my mind. You want to talk about dream big and that's what the people here at Nebraska help our athletes do is to feel valued and free to dream big and I think continuing to do that and value yes it does come like Jeannie mentioned in dollars I mean continuing to invest in our sports and you know I know the teams that were blessed to make the sweet 16 in men's basketball one year ago spent 67 percent more money on their teams that, than they did on their women's teams, okay? So we still have some work to, to, to be able to put the value where the dollars are, but it's not, I mean, that's a big part of it, is continuing to close that gap and invest the dollars there, but um, investing in our female athletes can come in a lot of different ways, and I think we do it great here at Nebraska, um, but across the board, um, continuing to do that and raise the bar um, is the best thing we can do. There's that commercial that says, if they can see it, they can be it. And I think to what Amy's talking about, if they go to a game and they see it, if they see it on television, if they hear it on the radio, if they see it, they can be it. So the first thing we all need to do is pack PBA tomorrow night against the Spartans, 7.30 tip, and that's how we start. I agree with both of them. Uh, I'd go further to say, um, I know Olympic sports are a little harder to connect with just because the audience is a little smaller, but exposure is huge for us. I meet so many people that say, oh, well, if I knew that this was an option, like I would have gone into that, or well, how does my kid get into that? Um, like it, the NCAA does serve as a funnel for a lot of Olympic sports. We wouldn't have the development um, to go and send them on to the Olympics because the Olympic 
program for us is very, very small, very limited financially. So we are a stepping stone for that. We're a stepping stone in their development. So uh, we serve a huge role in that um, in their four years for training a facility, um, support and coaching. Um, but as far as the NCAAs, as far as um, what we can do as Nebraska is just exposure. I mean, we have a great fan base, so many dedicated Husker fans, and I do want to tap further into that because we have amazing student athletes that deserve the spotlight. We have amazing academic, amazing um, athletic careers there that need that appreciation, and we absolutely have the fans to do that. Yeah, I think we're all on the same page. Um, I would start with the Big Ten Network. I, I, I don't see very much golf on that. I don't see much rifle or tennis. Um, there's a lot of games from 20 years ago that I think they could replace with great programming of Olympic sports and more female sports. And in the same vein, if little girls turn on the television and see the Big Ten Women's Golf Championship, um, and they can see themselves in that place, it's gonna help us build our sport. So I would say we can start just at our grassroots level and try and get the Big Ten Network to start carrying some Olympic sports. Um, maybe we need an Olympic sport Big Ten Network, I don't know. <laughs> Trev. Yeah, so we're all on the same page. At this point, Athletics Director Trev Alberts, who was there in attendance with his wife Angela, addressed the crowd. He didn't have a microphone, so you couldn't hear it in this recording. But what he said was that when Kevin Warren was putting together the new massive media rights deal for the Big Ten Conference, that was the goal and the vision. With multiple networks and several TV broadcasts and streaming opportunities, the goal is to put more Olympic sports on these platforms and give these sports more exposure and more opportunities to be seen by their fans across the country. Now we go back to Lisa Hart to wrap up the panel. I agree with everything. Um, I would also add, I think we need to um, have more females, try to hire females when we can, um, especially coaching, coaching females when we can. Um, I had one of our student athletes yesterday, actually, we were talking about, I, I recommend that she should look into coaching when she gets done. And she said, I'd love to, but you can't really have kids and do it, right? And I said, well, I do. And she said, yeah, but that's not normal. We need, we need to make it normal. We need to hire young, young women and, and retain them as well. For the student athlete panel, we had from swimming and diving, Madison Ronquillo, volleyball's Lindsay Krause, from Nebraska track and field, Darby Thomas, and from women's gymnastics, Clara Colombo. That's also the order that they answer this first question I posed to the group. So again, we had some questions submitted, so we'll ask a few of them for all of you and a few one at a time. But one that we got a lot of is, is what influenced you to want to get into sports? Was there a woman that you looked up to, you aspired to be? What kind of drove you to want to participate in sports? Um, well, growing up, I initially did quite a few different sports. I hopped around a little bit, but I distinctly remember when I wanted to, when I wanted to fully commit myself to swimming was watching the 2012 Olympics and Missy Franklin. She had just won the gold in the 100 backstroke. And I remember seeing her and they were talking about how only two weeks ago before then she'd just gotten her driver's license. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, this girl is 16 and she just got a gold medal, like this is insane. And one of the most popular things about her was her smile and just how much fun she had on deck. And she never talked about how hard her practices were or how draining it was. It was always just about the fact that she always had fun doing it. And so ever since seeing, then, seeing that, I was like, that's what I wanna do and I wanna have fun with it too. The first distinct memory that I have of volleyball and more specifically the Nebraska volleyball team and the culture we have in this program is I have this like memory ingrained in my brain. I was like eight years old, uh, it was 2011, sitting in my living room watching the Nebraska volleyball team. It was like Lauren Cook, Gina Mancuso, Hannah Wirth and seeing that they were ranked like number four in the AVCA poll. And I remember turning to my mom and be like, we're good. Like, I had no idea. And she, she told me, like, yes, we've been good forever. We've always been good. We've never not been good. And that is when it almost, like, clicked in my brain of, like, I don't know if I'm going to be, like, I don't know if I'm going to play Nebraska, but I'm going to be that good. I, I'm going to play somewhere that has that program. I'm going to play somewhere that has that culture. Um, no matter what sport I'm playing, because at that point I thought that I was going to be in the WNBA, but that uh, life has taken me down a different path. But I remember um, it was that moment in my mind that it clicked of just like, I'm going to leave that legacy somewhere. And just all those women that played at that time of growing up when I was younger just have such an impact on me. So mine was actually Abby Wambach, which might seem weird because I run track. But when I was nine, I want to say, it was when the U.S. women's team played Sweden in a friendly. Um, my club soccer team got to walk them out on the field. Um, and I was actually paired with Abby Wambach. So in that moment, I realized that this highly decorated athlete, this woman who had put so much forward into her career, um, it was something that I wanted to do. I mean, much like you said, whether it was track or soccer, hadn't even done track yet, but um, I knew that that was where I wanted to be and I wanted to commit in that moment. Um, I grew up in a family where gymnastics was really a thing. My dad was a gymnast. My mom was a gymnast too, and they met in the gym. So um, when I first got into gymnastics, I think the first memory that comes into my mind is my mom showing me her leotards. Um, and I was lucky enough to have parents to support me every step of the way till here. So I'm from Italy, and when I told them, oh, I want to go study in the United States and um, do school and sport here, my mom looked at me and was like, okay, like, what can we do for you? And I think my mom has been like one of the biggest influences for me, for sure. It's awesome. Darby, when did you first hear, hear about Title IX, and what are some parts of athletics that you want to make sure you don't take for granted after seeing that video that we just watched? Um, I actually heard about Title IX. I was in middle school. I did a National History Day project on it. So it's something that I've been really familiar with for a lot of my life. Um, something I don't want to take for granted, I guess, is realizing the people that came before me. I think it's an incredible honor to be a Nebraska student athlete, to be a female student athlete, and recognizing that there were people before me who started really from the bottom and allowed us to get to the place we are right now. And I'm very lucky. Lindsay, what advice would you tell your 13-year-old self? 
being a woman and being a young woman, I think I would just acknowledge and tell my younger self that being in this uh, atmosphere of Nebraska and this whole fan base that we have and everybody that we have here, um, it makes you feel so loved. But I also think going back to my younger self, it's important to tell her that not everyone is in your corner and that not everybody wants you to succeed and not everyone's going to be excited as you are and your loved ones when you do succeed and understanding that that's okay and knowing that those people are, are going to just add more fuel to your inner self to show who you can be. And I remember uh, a few years ago, I think maybe when this commercial aired, I think Rhonda brought up a TV or commercial, but it made me think of the Nike campaign that ran a few years ago, I think, and uh, Serena Williams was a big part of it, and it talked about crazy, and like all these women were crazy, and these people are crazy, and then it closes the commercial with saying it's only crazy till you do it, and then it becomes normal. And I think that's something that I would for sure tell my younger self is not everyone's going to be uh, at the finish line cheering for you, but that doesn't matter because you only need those people that are close to you and that believe in you and ultimately you need yourself. Awesome. Madison is a woman in sports and competing in sports. How do you deal with self-doubt that might occur from time to time? Yeah, so this journey is definitely not easy, and it's something that I came into it as a completely different person. I mean, if you told me my freshman year I'd be standing in front of all these people talking, <laughs> I probably would have had like a panic attack. But when it came to self-doubt, one of the biggest things that really helped me was learning how to take myself out of my own mind and be able to put my like own perspective at the time through another set of eyes. And by that, I mean leaning on my teammates, leaning on my coaches, and most of all, just being able to trust in the process and trust in my training and know that I've put in the work, but I'm also surrounded by people who are putting in the work as well and that we have a common goal and that I'm not doing this alone. Awesome. Clara, you were telling us before the event started that in Italy, you don't have an opportunity to go to college and be a gymnast. And so what do you appreciate the most about being a Husker student athlete and this opportunity that you have here in the United States? Um, I think a few people already mentioned this, but the biggest change in mentality that I saw coming here was see how many people believed in me. And they made me feel capable of doing everything I wanted to and like, the resources we have here are insane, and looking back, I don't think I would have ever thought to come here and be able to experience so many things and um, having so many people to support me and make sure that I have everything I need to be successful. That being said, if you can each comment on this, what are ways we can t continue to grow and provide support and resources for your sports? Um, definitely, like, appreciating the legacy we have. Um, I mean, I see it every day in the gym. Like, we have uh, the opportunity to train in an amazing new facility and seeing that the gymnasts that came before me, starting from my head coach, like, they made it happen. And I think 
remembering that every day in the gym, you make it happen for the next generation. That's a big thing. Darby, how can we continue to grow and, and provide support and resources for you guys? Um, I think just receiving more recognition for what we do. I mean, we work just as hard as our male counterpart, especially in track and field. I'm doing the same amount of reps. I'm doing the same workout. I'm there at the same time. Um, and maybe just seeing what we do as women, maybe even behind the scenes to get a little more recognition for what is done is something that we would really appreciate. I think being a volleyball player at this university um, kind of sh puts into perspective, like these other women have said, just more recognition. And we've been fortunate enough to receive some of that more recognition that a lot of female uh, sports teams are not uh, given. But I think what's important to know is, like Clara said, uh, the people that have came here before us and all that they have earned so that we have been given the opportunity for the facilities that we have, for the resources we have, but also continuing that legacy of earning more for that generation in front of us so that it never stays stagnant, right? I mean, I remember uh, Dr. Sella mentioned in the video back in volleyball when she was playing in 1990, they had to set up the chairs for the people to come play and now we're playing and selling out this arena. And so I and my team, we work hard to make sure that we don't stop here. Right, we continue to earn more, to create a legacy so that we can never stop growing. Um, going off a little bit what Darby talked about in terms of recognition, I think another important aspect would be educating not only our fan base, but also our administration of what is actually needed for day-to-day -day training and what we need in terms of facilities and equipment and just access to resources in general. I think it's easy to say that, um, that, or I know for sure that the administration wants to give us everything that we need in order to succeed, and we certainly receive it, but then there are certain aspects where they just don't know that how much we need certain things or how much we need um, that access to those resources. It's just being able to learn more about our sports um, more intimately and being able to know um, what it is that truly goes into our training and our competition every day. Last thing, Madison, I'll ask you to address this. Just how appreciative are you of the support that is in place and the fans that do show up and, and having an event like this and, and the opportunity to be an Oscar student athlete? Oh. The, <laughs> the amount of gratitude I have for being a Nebraska student athlete, I certainly could not describe it within like even a five page essay. <laughs> I came, I actually transferred from a much smaller school. And so going from a smaller school to Nebraska athletics where the level of competition and excellency is truly indescribable and the amount of support that we have has been enough, has been absolutely more than I could ask for and so well developed and well rounded. I feel like I'm coming out of this school and program as not only like a better student athlete, but a better person in whole. Anybody else have anything that you wanna to add to that? She hit the nail on the head, but I just wanted to say, uh, I got very emotional watching that video. Um, being from Nebraska and watching all Nebraska sports growing up, uh, 
I, a few tears came out just watching that video and watching those women and just, uh, I think some of them know that the effect they've had and they know that they're role models, but I feel like so many women, um, whether you're an athlete here or you're on administration or you work here, they just don't really realize the true value and how much they really do for girls like me who are from Nebraska and grew up here and it just spent so much to watch. It was just such an inspiring day to be surrounded by so many powerful women and so special to see the generations come together on this day. Wanted to give a shout out to Samantha Karg and Kate Dean and the rest of the Huskers committee for envisioning and executing such a wonderful event. I am so proud to be a part of this athletics department. And I said this the other night on Sports Nightly. It's one of my favorite things about Nebraska. There are a lot of things that I love about Nebraska, but one of my favorites is the way that Husker Nation supports their women's sports. And I've said that a lot over the last year and a half since I've been at Nebraska. I mean, volleyball, the sellouts leading the nation in attendance year after year, women's basketball also year after year consistently in the top 15 in the nation in attendance. Women's gymnastics crowds this season have continued to be fantastic. I know softball, the reigning Big Ten champs will have great crowds this spring. The list goes on and on and keep showing up and supporting these women Husker Nation like I know you will. On that note, I'll use this time to remind you about the sellout game for Nebraska women's basketball coming up on February 18th against Iowa, who's currently a top 10 ranked team in the nation, by the way. It's a one o'clock tip that Saturday, the 18th, but we're calling it the sellout game because we want to do something that's never been done here in Lincoln, and that's sell out a women's basketball game inside Pinnacle Bank Arena. So get those tickets, huskers.com slash tickets, 402-472-31111. It's a massive game for this team as they make a push for the postseason, and it's Iowa. And let's make history together coming up on February 18th. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Jessica Cootie with the Huskers Radio Network.